Hey, thanks for joining us here on the House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about the house, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. Man, we're so glad that you're here. Come on, we're going to do some church. Glad that you're here. Man, listen, listen, this is a great uh, it's, it's a great uh, Sunday, and I, I believe that uh, we're going to share something that is really um, going to help you. Here, here's the thing. Let me just say this. Like, like Devin said, I, I know this. it's a weird time. It's, it's a weird season. Um, but but I, I tell you this, and we're going to talk a little bit about this today, um, but it's an incredible season for the church to see people. It's an incredible season for the church to be able to go, okay, who's hurting? Who's distant? Who's frustrated? Um, and, and, I, and I would tell you that sure people are going to want to get into um, uh, politics and thoughts and life and all of that. But, but I think that as we begin to redirect them, we can ask a simple question, how's your soul? How's your soul? And and I think that once we have that kind of conversation, the truth of the matter is the Bible says that from out of our heart comes everything. And so we're holding stuff, conversations from two months ago, three years ago, five years ago, 12 years ago. Like we're holding stuff in here that if that got triggered or if that got something was said, it would unlock this vault of, wow, where did that come from? And I want to encourage you uh, to be sensitive to that, to, that, that we are trying to help people uh, understand that there is a God who loves them, that, there is a, that they have a Father in heaven that is not distant, but is ever-present. And so we are so excited about what God is doing in this season. We are wrapping up our series called Sons and Daughters, and hopefully you have enjoyed that. Um, uh, I tell you, my prayer has been this, that God would surgically remove um, anything that would hinder your reflection of him. Can can I say this? Let me say it this way, that I think for a believer, um, the greatest use of our life is to reflect the Father. Okay? Okay. The greatest use of our life is not to amass wealth, although that's great. It's not to finish all the degrees. That's awesome. It's not to get the family. That's incredible. Uh, kids are a blessing. It's not to just get married or move out of the house or get your own place or buy your first car. All of those are wonderful things to accomplish. But the greatest thing that we can do is reflect the Father. That's the greatest thing that we can do. So how do we do that as believers? How do we clean up our heart and our mind where we can reflect him better? And we've been focusing on the fact that we are sons and daughters and we have a wonderful father. And, and I think that in a family, a father and a mother make impressions on kids. Now, if you don't know my kids, the truth of the matter is, if they were here, I've got one, one working, okay? So, yes, we believe in work. Come on, at the Sexton house. Come on, girl. And listen, uh, so he turned 14, and we were like, get a job. 
and, and so, and there was no, but he's too young. My wife was like, get a job. I was like, get a job. We were in unison. And so he could not go anywhere without hearing, get a job. So at 14, he started working at McDonald's. Come on, somebody. Now, now, here's the deal. You may not want him making your hamburger, but nevertheless, we working. <laughs> Come on, listen. And so here's the thing. If you meet my son, you're going to know we've made an impression on him. I'm sorry there are some things we've already decided with our, our kids that there are things that they do great, and they got them all from us. Come on, girl. And there are things that they don't do great. And we've already decided we're going to have a long apology session with whoever they marry whenever that time comes. And it's going to be before the wedding. And we're just going to go, we're sorry. It's not them. It was us. We did this to them. And we know that you're going to now spend your whole life undoing this problem we caused. But, but when you get frustrated, uh, know that the other things we did really, really, really well. Come on, somebody. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Like, like listen. You, when you see my son, the cheeks just give it away. It's give it, for the rest of his life, he's going to be like, Dad, thanks. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, there's a reflection there's a reflection. When you see Hallie Kate, you, you, you just see there's a little Katie. There's a little Katie. Now she has a little snip. <laughs> and, and she didn't get that from Katie. But, but uh, we've made an impression. And here's the deal. We, we really believe that when you spend time with the Father, that he should make an impression. Come on. Listen. On, on your life. And, and for us, reflecting the Father's heart is vital. Our Father, listen, wants to be known. Known. And, and sons and daughters, as, as we come in and we, we become these believers, and we talked about moving from death to life, here's the thing, is the Father wants us to embrace, listen, His will. His will. That's the goal. So, there is no home that is healthy that doesn't embrace. Does that make sense? Like there is no home that you walk in that the husband and wife don't embrace. And, and the wife wakes up in the morning and the husband's like, hey. And the wife's like, hey. And that's it. Like that's the sign of the love. Does that make sense? Even if you're not physical touch, you know, there has to be embrace. Kids, embra if you come to my house, everybody's embracing all the time. Sometimes it looks like headlocks. Other days it looks like hugs. Does that make sense? But we're, we're, we're embracing. We're touching. We're, that's, that's part of the home. Yeah. Well, God wants you, listen, to embrace his will. His will. Because here's the thing. Is God doesn't see his will as subjective. God sees his will as the only thing that matters. Can I tell you that God in, and, and you've grown up in church. God wants me and God loves me and God, God, God sent Jesus for me and all of that is correct. But what God wants in you is his reflection because he's the one that's true. Does that make sense? 
The way to bless God is to have more of God in you because God is truth and God is holy. Come on. And God is good. And so what would please God is bringing God, God to him. Like, like I'm bring, I'm moving stuff out so that I can move you in so that I can give you worship and I'm bringing your will to you. Come on. Don't, parents, don't you love it when your kids do thy will? Come on. You don't have a lot of will, but just when, like, my will is that you would clean up after yourself. My will is that you would not leave the counter sticky and that that honey would, would, would make it in whatever you're consuming, but not on the counter. That is my will. Come on. So, like, and when they do that, Dad, I clean the kitchen. You're like, oh. It's like, what, what? They didn't bring their concepts to you. They brought your concepts to you. And when they do your concepts, you're like, hey, you can stay. One more week. That's what God wants. For us, here's the concept. There can be no reflection without facing the right direction. It is our job as believers to continually move our hearts into the right, come on, does that make sense? Direction. Because ultimately, his reflection is the thing that matters. And there are so many people who are insecure and and battling identity. And what they're doing is they're trying to look to the world and they're trying to get this reflection. But they're not in... It's not in the right direction. And so I just know there's something to me. I just know that there's something missing. I just know that I, I just feel like I, there's something in me. I see it. But there is nothing to see because it's not the right direction. And so we're trying to find significance from a world. Some of y'all like my little pink. Come on, family dollar. Listen, listen. The truth of the matter is, if we don't pivot and change, then we can't reflect. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. Listen, we can't reflect what he wants us to reflect. Jesus gave us this model. He said time and time again that whatever you see me do, it's because that's what the Father does. In other words, he went so far to say whatever I say, he would say whatever I do, he would do. Sure, he was part of the Godhead. But his teaching and his lifestyle challenged his followers to embrace the reflection of the Father. That is what we do as a church. That's why we assemble. That's why we come together. That's why we read the word. That's why we pray. That's why we allow the word to challenge us because we are always trying to be his reflection in the workplace, to be his reflection in our home, to be his reflection, come on, in our marriage, to be his reflection. Come on, that is the goal that we reflect him. Okay, rather than our past. Come on, family. Rather than our baggage. Rather than our background. Rather than our hurt, that we reflect Him. Luke chapter ten, verse thirty. I'm gonna. I want to read this to you. And, and out of this, we're gonna come up with three, I think, concepts that are totally life changing for the believer. Three thoughts that a believer has to embrace if they're going to step into transformation. And we're gonna read these, and we're gonna see all three of these play out in this 
text. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Here, let's read. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among the robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Not a good day. Not a good day. Okay. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came, he, he, he saw him in that place and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he journeyed, he came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, look at this, and pouring on the oil and the wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave one to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these, Jesus is asking, do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And they said, and he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, you go, look at this, and do likewise. In other words, reflect this. Go, go reflect this mentality. There are three examples. And, and I know that now in church, we are studying enneagrams and this test and personality profiles. And I'm an introvert and I'm an extrovert. But the reality is Jesus doesn't give any way to personality. He doesn't talk about your background. He doesn't talk about shyness. He doesn't talk about the fact that what you're good at or what you're bad at. He says there are three people, two people pass people by, one person makes a difference. One person begins to do something that really leaves an impact and this is the reflection of the Father. I don't have time to back up, but if you went and looked before 30, verse 30, there are four verses where Jesus actually begins to thank the Father and he says in that, in that dialogue, in the same chapter, he says... Hey, God, Father, thank you for revealing all this to me. And the fact that I can reveal this to whoever I want to. So it, the whole concept, this story isn't a night story. Like the ones you tell your kids. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? What, what, like, that's not the three little bears. That's not Goldilocks. This isn't the monster that comes and gets you if you don't fall asleep. Oh, y- y'all don't tell that one? No, wait a minute. Come on, listen. Listen, the truth of the matter is... This story is an illustration of how the kingdom, come on, and how the Father operate. So here's the thing. We go and we reflect this. We reflect this. I will tell you that as a society, as a church, Jesus was was illustrating we don't pass the hurting. Can I tell you that as the elections are, are coming up, and I think that you should be a part of those, Let me just say this. I feel like it is a little hypocritical to try to just vote someone into office who will legislate morality while we skip by people who are hurting. It's a whole lot easier to blame someone's policies than it is to blame our priority. Come on, help me. 
It's a whole lot easier to say, well, it's my city, it's my state, it's my country, it's the world, rather than we take inventory on what side of the road am I walking down? And who did I miss? And where was I? Come on, preoccupied. Come on, help me. For us, do this. Reflect this. In other words, he was talking to his disciples. He was, I'm talking to my dream. I'm talking to the life group. I'm talking to the family of God. I'm talking to, this is what we do. So the first one, first concept, first thing that I feel like believers should have to embrace is this. We have to embrace the cost. There is a cost to living, come on, listen, the life of a believer. I am not saying salvation cost. I am saying there is a cost. Let let me explain it to you. Okay? I like Nick. Nick's over there. He's a guitar guy. Jamming. 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 And let's just say I bless Nick with a bass boat. I love him. He's great. He's awesome. He hasn't done anything to earn this bass boat. I'm just going to bless him with a bass boat. Come on. Does anybody want that blessing? All right, too bad you're going to have to ask Nick. All right, and so, and so I'm going to bless Nick with that bass boat, and I get it, and he's grateful. He didn't do anything to earn it, but if he doesn't take care of the bass boat, it's not going to run, come on, listen, the way it was intended to run, because anybody who ever's had a boat knows you have to winterize it, you have to take care of it, you, you, you have to put oil and gas, and there are things that you have to do, but you don't just receive the boat. Oh, thank you. And do nothing. And I think that a lot of times people don't understand that concept of Christianity. Listen, the priests and the Levites passed by. The Samaritans stopped. There is a cost. Listen to this commitment that we have. I think that as I get older, the one thing that I value is I love not being interrupted. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any dads in the room? Any moms in the room? Any, anybody just pretty much don't like being interrupted? Okay? Like, I, 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 I get sucked in. It's a ploy. I'm just going to vent for five seconds. But let's talk about Christmas. Okay? Kids come to me. Daddy, 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 I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. It's a game system. It's a, it's a, it's a Wii. It's a Switch. It's a whatever. And, and they're like, Dad, I want this. And I'm like, because I love you. I am going to bless you, and I'm going to give you this. And I give a gift that tortures me for the rest of the year because it needs an update. It needs parental guidance. It needs this. I'm always having an alert to unlock something or spend more time or screen time or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't want this gift. This is not my gift. The gift I want is silence. (laughs) Who's going to give me that? Come on, somebody. This, somebody else, this is like too real for it. You're like, I came to church to feel better. <laughs> but listen, the truth is, I, there are times when I just, I don't, I just want, I don't want to be interrupted. The kids and the questions, and we have four kids, and so it's, in, it's like in stereo. And there's always something to do, and there's always something to fix, and there's always something to change. And then I'm always got to get up, and then we eat, and then the dishes. Got, I said, come on. It's just like, come on, listen. For us, here's the thing. Jesus begins to show us that not every interruption is negative. In fact, 
Some interruptions can be an opportunity, and it is an opportunity to show love, come on, listen, to somebody else. And we have the ability to live intentional, and sometimes what we view as an interruption is God saying, this is your opportunity to reflect me to somebody who needs it. Come on, listen. Here is an opportunity. There is a cost. And if we want to serve God, but we only want, we only want to fit him in on Sunday, but we don't want him to interrupt our lives with anything other, come on, does that make sense? Then, then the reality is, wh- how much are we really embracing and what is the condition and the environment of this relationship? Because it's not really a, a deep relationship if we just visit occasionally. Come on. Here's what the Bible says. Let me give you this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Okay? Not everyone says, this is Jesus. Not everyone says, Lord, Lord. Who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Dun, dun, dun. You know, like, like, and, wait, time out. Can I, can I say this? There are no scary verses in the Bible. Okay? Jesus didn't say this to be Freddy Cougar. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he, he, this isn't written to scare you into heaven. This is written so that you would assess where you're at. There are some things that I say, listen, to my family, to my kids. There's some things my wife says to me that sound scary. But really, it's a warning. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And, and all I'm telling you is that Jesus is warning us about drifting. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, that's the one who actually does my, my will, who works to do my will. Come on. Listen. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Ooh, did we not preach it? Did we not shuck the corn? Come on. Did I not post every day uh, uplifting, inspirational Bible verse? Did I not? Come on. Did I not do what I need? Did I not cast out demons? Did I not do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker. Look at me. Of lawlessness. I want to talk about this and I want to unpack this. There is this idea that if we are going to progress in our transformation, doing the will of God is not optional for the believer. Come on, listen to this. This is a huge moment and Jesus is ending the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if you've read this, but Matthew 5, 6, 7, I mean, 6, 7. There's three chapters here. 5, 6, and 7. And, and it is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins to talk about everything. He talks about provision. He talks about the Father. He talks about uh, taking care of our needs. He talks about divorce. He talks about, like he just lays it out. It's one of those really long sermons. Okay? And he's ending with this. Has he never gone to public speaking school? This dude needs to uh, 
watch a YouTube or a TED Talk. This is not how you end a, come on, a, a great conversation about explaining the kingdom. You don't end on a downer. Jesus, we need to talk a little bit about your, you know what I mean, about, about your delivery. Because I would think that you, you're the only one that's been to heaven. So let's end with a little heaven talk. Let's end with a little streets of gold. Let's end, Okay, I'm kind of thinking this. Let's, let's do a little strategy session on your sermon. And, and what I think we ought to do is let's end big and let's talk about angels and let's talk about all the open and let's talk about heaven. And, and we, what we really want to know is do we walk on clouds or do we not? I guess a really bad, I think, I think what's trending right now is a little cloud walking. And so if we could move away from uh, uh, the scary stuff, and that's cool, we can save that for later. But right now, you've been talking for, here's the thing. Jesus, we can talk about how powerful you are. Jesus, we can talk, let's bring in some fireworks towards the end. Actually, you know what? Let's get some more water and let's do that wine thing again. That was, that was unique. <laughs> like, let's do that again. But here's the thing. Jesus said that not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom. And what he was saying is the right direction produces the right, come on, reflection. He uses the title of priest and of Levite because Jesus is looking to get everyone's attention in the room. He's looking to tell the story and get everyone's attention. Jesus isn't trying to make us second guess our conversion. He's wanting us to set, assess our heart. Come on, listen. Church, can I tell you this? There is no salvation without submission. Submitting. Surrendering. In other words, listen, people will say, well, all you have to do is confess Jesus is Lord. Here's the deal. That's part of it. That's part of it. Let me explain this to you. The part I knew about marriage (laughs) was not the other part. (laughs) I knew, (laughs) I knew, I knew this part of marriage. But I didn't know the other part of marriage. And the other part of marriage was emotions and moods and my background and her background. We're both assuming things. And I didn't know it was going to be this hard every day. Come on, does that make sense? Like, there was another part. And and as we begin to, come on, talk about this. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10 says this. Look at this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe... Listen, so there's the confession that comes from not a rehearsed sentence structure that you repeat. It comes from the condition of your heart. Come on, listen. Turn this up just a little bit, William. Look at this. Listen. It says this, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For, the, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. In other words, what you believe in your heart, you will confess again and again and again and again and again. Come on. What's in here comes out continually. 
There is no salvation without submission. There is no sonship without obedience. So here's the big idea going back to the first verse that we read. We can put on a show of faith and even fool ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother. Bless God. Hallelujah. Is that all of them? <laughs> Woo! Mighty word, mighty word, mighty word. Come on. Listen. The priest did not help. Because in the law, a priest could not defile himself and become uncleaned and to touch a dead corpse would make him unclean. Here's the thing. The priest did know that there was always a provision that if humanity and if someone was in deep, deep need, you could put the law of love higher than the responsibility that you had at that moment. There was also this idea that if a priest began to touch what was unclean, they had to self-quarantine for seven days. They could not be in the temple. They had to be at the home. And they could not be in the temple preaching and doing the work, come on, of, uh, 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 of their assignment from God. Can I just say this? What would the world be like if the people of God were better outside the church than in? Come on, hear what I'm saying. Like, 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 it had to be this objective of the priest. Well, I've, I, what am I going to do this week? I don't really have anybody. And so we, we got to preach the sermon and we got to do church. And we, come on, we got to get this thing together. And so I really can't help you because who are all the other people I'm going to miss if I help you? Come on. Maybe it's a good thing that the priest had to leave the temple. Maybe it's a good thing for all of us to reflect God's love in the workplace. That's why we have Devin who did announcements up here just a second ago. He leads our students and he goes, uh, last year, we're, we're trying to figure out what's going to happen this year, but last year he would go eat with students. He would bring pizza. He'd play basketball with the students. He would do, because here's the deal. In church, we have an infrastructure to help people grow. But out in the world, people are beat up and waiting for help. And if we don't use this as a catalyst to take that territory back, if we don't use this as a catalyst, come on, here's where you get prayed for. Here's where you cry. Here's where you weep. Here's where you throw all of those concerns on the Lord because you have a job to do out there. Because here's the deal. The Bible said that the Father is in heaven, but you here, baby? Like, you here. And when we reflect him, we're reflecting heaven. Come on, here on earth. Come on. Listen, the Levite worked in the temple as an assistant to the priest. The Levite's job was to aid the priest. And the priest was more of authority. And the Levite was under authority. Can I tell you, everybody here who, who operates a life group, who is in some position of leadership in your church or in this church or wherever, can I tell you, be very, very careful. Because sometimes people will model 
what they see you do. And I've had to repent many times that the people underneath me model something that's not a true reflection of God's heart. And so I can bet that the priest went first. Then here comes the Levi. And the Levi sees this person on the ground. And they're probably thinking, well, (laughs) I mean, if the priest didn't help him. I mean, this guy probably, the priest probably already went by. This guy, they had an exchange. There was already probably something done. And the priest decided to leave him there. So if the priest decided to leave him there, well, I can't overturn the leadership. So I'm just going to do the same. And we have so many people in church doing the same thing. The person who passed, come on. That's not what God has called us to do. The Samaritan, the foreigner, the one who didn't know the culture was the one who was the most compassionate. Okay, let me dial into something really quick. I didn't say this in the first service, but, but I'm going to say it here because I like you more. Um, please don't tell first service. It's like when you tell one kid that they're your favorite. Uh, um, really, I tell all four of mine that. <laughs> and then they fight, and I'm like... <laughs> uh, Anyway, so Ben, I know you're taking notes over there. Uh, listen, listen. So, so here's a here's a thought. Is um, man, I had something really good and then I missed it and it's coming back to me. Okay, hold on. Thank you. All right. So, so here here's this concept. Is for us, we've got to make sure that those that are on the outside that have never done church are not more compassionate. And the people that have been going for 25 years. If you have been going to church most of your life and you are the biggest griper on Facebook, I'm asking you to get saved. Because that is a turnoff that someone who is outside of the church culture can be more effective than those who were grown up in it. Come on, does that make sense? Come on, that that hurt me too. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, dang, I'm not going to say that no more. Come on. But but that is the responsibility of us who believe. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 says this. Look at this. And doing it. And going a little farther, he fell on his face. This is Jesus. And he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from before me. Nevertheless, not as I will. Come on, listen. But as you will. And come on. How would our homes unlock? How would our, our fathers gain their voice? How would moms be a little bit more stable? How would families be if we had the moment where we laid down our will and we did his? Come on. Does that make sense? I believe that. Listen, I'm not saying it would be easier. I'm saying it would be more beneficial. To reflect the father's heart is a cost. To live free is a cost. To show love and speak truth, there is a cost. Here's the second one. So that was the first one. Y'all good? I'm going to blow by the second one. Is that good? Everybody good? You already knew that? Okay, cool. All right, second one is we have to embrace the lost. We have to embrace the lost. The lost isn't for missionaries. They're just the people that decided to do it full time. 
The loss is how we reflect, come on, God's heart to people. The Father gave His best so that none would perish. We don't pass on the other side by the people that are beat down and, and, and hurt and had been robbed. Listen, and I get it. People who hurt, hurt got baggage and all messed up. It's messy. Yeah. Come on, and I don't know about you, but there are days I'm jacked up myself. I'm like, come on, you ever think like, I cannot handle your problems too? <laughs> you don't even know what's going on up in here. But if we are, have that position, then we will never position people to meet the Father. God's in heaven. You're in here. God's in heaven. You're here. God, God's not roaming northwest Arkansas. You are. <laughs> Come on, does it make sense? And so listen, our Father is a giver. He doesn't leave people hurt, even if it's hard. He, he touches the messy. He takes the time. It isn't always fun. But listen... That's the job. Our Father gave up Jesus. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us spiritual gifts. The Father gave us redemption. The Father is looking to see those who would reflect His heart. In Luke chapter 15, I would encourage you to read it. We don't have time. But in Luke 15, there are three stories. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the parable, uh, and the prodigal son. And all of that is how God begins, Jesus begins to tell His people, here is how I see it. This is what I care about. In fact, there's one verse that will stick out, and I want to read it to you. Luke chapter 15, verse 10, it says, Just so, look at this, just so I tell you, this is Jesus. Hey guys, I know we talked a lot, I got a lot of things to say. I've been saying a lot, but just so that I tell you this. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When I was a kid, listen, y'all don't even know what this is, but, but when I was a kid, I loved jukebox. Come on. And you could always find a jukebox at the Waffle House. Come on, somebody. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? God's place. Listen, and so, and so I loved it when I would get some money and go because I could pick whatever song I wanted to play. And when I was a kid, our, my, the song was Beat It. That was just the song. You know what I'm saying? That was the song. Here's what your reflection to the world starts the tune in heaven. Your reflection. Oh man, you, you see Mark? Oh, you see Nate? Oh, you see? All right, y'all, y'all get ready. He close, he close, he close. Ah! Boom. It's like, it's like the angels are like, ah! Because here's, here's the thing. Listen, if we miss it, and get distracted on only us. Look, the, the right direction is the right reflection. We care. People are not a burden. People are not a burden. That's why we do life groups. That's why we open up our home. Church, to see a great victory, the mission has to become our mandate. Here's the third one. Ben, y'all go ahead and come up. The third one is this, and I want to make sure that we get this. What was the first one? Embrace what? The cost. Come on, everybody. One, two, three. Cost. The second one is embrace the Okay. The third is you're going to have to embrace Pentecost. 
And I want to talk a little bit about it. I want you to see something that you may not have seen. If you go back to that Bible verse, you will see that the man helped, the Samaritan helped the other man, and he gave him the oil and the wine. He gave him the oil and the wine. And, and all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. That wasn't because he was thirsty. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Get rid of wine. Get rid of wine. There was this spiritual concept. Come on, does that make sense? We need help to be a help. Who is our helper? I love that the Samaritan had the ability to help, but it was a story. It was a story that Jesus put together and he narrated everything that you have to have if you're really going to help someone. Does that make sense? It wasn't like just a random, real part. They were on a journey. And all of a sudden this guy has money that he doesn't need. A way to transport the hurting. He just happens to have the oil and the wine. When Jesus talks, he doesn't just say things off the... For me, I'm, I'm a, if you listen to me long enough, I'm a good 70 percenter. 70 percent of what I say is like really good. Jesus was all intentional. So when he was descriptive and he began to say something about the oil and about the wine, he was tying it into everything that he had already done. Come on, does this make sense? Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit came and the power came after death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit took a group of nobodies who were just normal people and helped them transform, come on, the world. The Pentecost moment changed everything for the church. The power to reflect the Father's heart doesn't come from great effort. It comes from the Father who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Come on. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said. Humanity was wired for divine connections. Humanity was wired for divine encounters. The Holy Spirit takes cowards and makes them courageous. The Holy Spirit takes talents and He anoints them for next level use. The Holy Spirit is a gift and it's given, listen, to the sons and daughters. It's given. Come on, y'all like, y'all like, the music's really zoning me out right now. The man on the journey had everything he needed. That's the point. You have, come on, help me, everything you need. I know that you didn't go to seminary school. I know you need a new Bible, more Bible study. I know you don't know how to do something or do greet people or do this or play this. I know you don't know how to do everything. But I am telling you right now that God the Father has given you everything that you need to help the people that you're in proximity to. And that's good. So we should clap. One, two, three. That's that's it. But we need some people who will reflect him. The oil and the wine. The oil refers to the anointing. And many times in the Bible, it was a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. It's poured out 
on those who walk in agreement with Christ and it's used as a healing agent. The wine is referring to the Holy Spirit and it's used for purification and healing and it refers to those who have been covered under the blood of Christ. And all I'm saying to you is the Samaritan had all he needed. All he needed for us. Will you embrace the cost? Will you embrace the lost? Will you embrace Pentecost? Come on, listen, listen. We are sons and daughters. And here is the difference. Entitlement says, I want what the Father has without any responsibility to make it better. Sonship says, you can have anything in my house, son, but you have to be responsible over it. God is not into entitlement. He's into sonship. You are a son and you are a daughter and we're asking you to begin to move. So here's the deal. Some of you may may be right here and you're like, I just, I just want to be here, but I'm right here and this is so insignificant. But see, everything that God gives you is in seed form. And so you're working on getting the right direction for the right reflection. And all of a sudden it begins to grow. And and then you're having more influence. God's moving more. Come on, listen, make sense. More things are happening. And then all of a sudden you're like, boom, times three. (laughs) That's a big one. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, what? And people are like, well, I just, I just don't know how you get to do all well, I, I started right here. And God began to grow me. And it took some time. That's called the process of transformation. And so today I'm asking you this. Do you need to get back in the right direction so that you can do the reflection of the Father's heart? Have you embraced the cost of what it means to be a Christian? Are you looking to the lost? Are you saying, Holy Spirit, I need you and I need Pentecost in my life so that I can go out and help. And so I believe that this is a shift for us as a church so that we can get in line to see God do something powerful and mighty in Northwest Arkansas and in this church. You guys stand up with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.